This is the McCann Dogs Agility Podcast. I'm Kale McCann. And I'm Jamie Morrow. We are professional dog trainers, members of Agility Team Canada, and together we've been teaching dog agility for nearly 20 years. Some nights after teaching classes, we'll spend hours talking about training, about our goals, and also some of the challenges we're facing and what we're going to do to conquer them. And that's exactly what we're going to do in this podcast. Whether you're new to agility or competing at a world-class level, we're excited to have you listen in on our conversation. So let's head to the line. Hello, hello, hello. We are back again. And uh, if you have been watching us uh, every week or listening to us every week, every other week, you may have noticed that we've been taking a break for no other reason than we have been super busy. Although we did cheat and one week instead of doing a podcast, we may have gone on a kayak trip on the Grand River. (laughs) We did. We did do that. Uh, (laughs) And it was super fun. It's the summer. Yeah, it's the summer. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, we're super glad to be back. Today's episode 10 and um, we're going to go in a bit of a different direction today. And actually we're doing something we've not done before. We didn't make any notes and we wanted to do this on purpose because the topic today is something that we actually talk about on a really regular basis and it can deal with. And, on a re- regular oh, basis. Absolutely, for sure. And um, it really can go in a bunch of different directions and we just kind of wanted to see where it went naturally. So what we wanted to talk to you about today is the idea of like injury in the dog sport of agility. And um, it's what we do end up talking about, obviously having things come up with our own dogs or students' dogs or whatever. But we have the conversation often is, why are there so many injuries in this sport now or were there before and we just didn't talk didn't, about them or, like, or didn't recognize it? Yeah. Or like, you know, exactly. Didn't recognize it. Maybe did things that we shouldn't or have has, things shift, shifted in the sport. Have the course changed? Has the training changed? Um, the styles of courses. Now we know the styles of courses have changed, especially at the international level for sure. Um, a lot more backsides, a lot more um, wraps, wraps, uh, lead changes, those kinds of things. And in some cases, you know, if the course has flow and you can move in and out of those things well it's you know it's really not a huge deal but I think there is there is a difference I think because there what we see now is when you train agility at the level that we do the dogs are good from like two and a half three by the time you get going which that's maybe even on the early side Mm -hmm. um to like six seven that's when the injuries start to come. Yep. It's like their careers are so much shorter. Like I remember when um, I had slice a border collie, um, funky too, really. I was at the world championships at age 11, 11. with them, mm-hmm. which is like, I can't even imagine that mm-hmm. um, now. So anyways, it's something that we talk about a lot and we have um, some pretty strong opinions about some things. And we also wanted to offer some advice for those of you who are either maybe dealing with injury or don't maybe know much about this and you want to know what to look for so that prevention, if something comes up with your dog, you can kind of, you know, you can maybe see the signs a bit early. Um, And then we also wanted to talk about like some of the things that we do with our dogs on a regular basis that we work towards preventing things from from happening. Um, And I will say that, you know, sometimes you can do all the prevention in the world. Like I think we do a ton of prevention with our dogs because it's such a focus of us. But you cannot control everything. And sometimes things happen. Yeah, you can still get injuries. Yeah. Your dog could get injured running in your backyard, not in agility. Like, yeah, your dog got her leg stuck in a recliner chair, remember? Yes. Like, yes. it's nothing to do with agility. Mm-hmm. And, like, you had to sit her forever because of that. Yeah. Like, so things happen, and it's, you know, we don't want people to be stressed out after this podcast, but we want you to feel educated so that hopefully 
you know, you can make some good decisions for, for your dogs uh, down the road. Now, as we had mentioned, um, both of us have, have dealt with um, injuries with our own dogs, um, some very minor, some very career changing, ma- very major. I personally had a dog that had a career ending um, injury, which devastating. Oh, so, so horrible. Anyway, so I might as well talk about that first. Might as well get the, the sad <laughs> stuff out of the way first. So I have a I have a dog named Grand Slam, and he's a, a border collie, and probably one of the greatest dogs I've ever owned in my entire life. Like in terms of temperament, like great agility dog, of course, but great temperament. He's just so even, cool as a cucumber. Like this dog, just he's amazing. Um, but he was a really, really amazing agility dog as well. Very bendy, very drivey. Um, had great brains. Best-footed. High-minded, but not in like a I-can't-function way. Mm-hmm. He, he was just, he's the perfect agility dog, guys. The perfect agility dog. All-around dog, though, yeah. too. <laughs> For sure. So, anyways, we love him, as you can see. Mr. Handsome. Um, but anyways, uh, his um, his issue or his injury, he ended up having a partially uh, torn cruciate in his back left um, knee. And it was something that did not happen... Um, uh, right in away. One event? No, it was like a it was a long term thing, and and what I sort of backtracked and figured out is he had got into an accident in the chute. And for those of you who are new to agility, you'll be like, "What the heck is a chute?" Because it's an obstacle that literally has been removed from agility in most organizations because it is so dangerous. Mm-hmm. So there's like a, a tube at the front and then like a cloth that goes on the end that closes. So when your dog goes, it looks like a tunnel. It's called a closed tunnel. The dog goes through and they can't see, see in the cloth. Yeah. Anyways, it's horrible because the dogs get tangled. Like they just injuries are on, out of control. But anyways, the course that I did, the entrance to the chute wasn't straight on and Slam went into the side of the barrel instead of through it. And um, it was actually at a world team tryout. This is years and years and years and years and years ago. Um, but he got really hurt and I had to pull him from the weekend because he was like very, very hurt from that. Anyways, so he was out for a long time. I worked on getting him back and then um, he was great. Things were good. He was running really, really well again. Um, But what I had realized is because he had hurt his shoulder doing that, there was a lot of pressure. He had hurt his right shoulder. There was a lot of pressure happening on his left knee because of the uh, balancing out and Mm -hmm. the counterbalancing. Um, And so uh, he was just working a little harder with that knee. And over time, it started to have problems. Mm. Um, And where it sort of came up is he would be like just... Ever like it was like those types of injuries were like, did I just see something? Like, did he hold that funny or is he walking a little bit more tender? He wasn't ever lame. So it was a sneaky, a sneaky injury. Those are the worst. Oh, those are the worst. Because then sometimes they play in your head. Am I seeing something? Is I it know. there? Can you see something? <laughs> I know. And so anyways, it really started to come to fruition at um, a world team tryout. I had flown all the way out to Alberta. Jamie was with me. Yep. And um, I was trying out for the Team Canada for WAO. And I had noticed that even when I ran clean, Slam was posting times that were like about a second slower than what he normally does. And um, was frustrating because you have to get you have to win to get lots of points. And so I was so stressed about not making the team and it was horrible. And anyways, um, I had lots of people looking at him all weekend. There's a girl that, that we use that's um, out West. Shout out Diamond Ruman. Um, she's amazing. And she was really great to help me uh, sort of get him through the weekend. But basically, I got to a point in the weekend where I felt that I had done as much as I could to make the team or not make the team. And then I decided to pull him. So um, luckily, 
we did make the team based on my performance up until that point. But unfortunately, between trying out and leaving for the actual competition, I realized there was something much more serious happening. And I actually had to pull, pull from my spot on the team. And um, he didn't really do agility again no, after that. No, he didn't really recover from that. No. Um, I, I did lots of things. I went and got him uh, checked. He had ultrasound. He had the whole works. Um, and then I was able to determine that it was a partially torn cruciate. We ended up doing um, PRP treatment with him, um, which helped a lot. But unfortunately, it didn't help um, enough that he could return back to the sport at the level that I wanted him to be. Many of the doctors who saw him or the vets that saw him said, well, you could do like specials or you could do like easy agility. And I was like, I don't think you understand what the, like this dog has 100% effort or like he's not doing it at all. Yeah. Um, um, and then the other thing too, and we've both um, struggled with this, is if you have a dog that you're um, nursing back from injury and you're just starting to get back into um, running again, it's so stressful. I mean, you're you're going through this literally right now. You've had an injury with your dog. She's back. Mm -hmm. She's but I'm still probably, terrified. I know she's probably ready to yes. do stuff. Uh -huh. But it's more like you getting over it because it's yes. it's stressful and you don't want to. And I have time and I don't want to rush the process. Hundred percent. So why? Yeah. What's the What's the point? There's nothing going on here. There's no There's mm -hmm. no competition. Still, COVID's so much better with where we are right now. But there's really not much going on. So I'm taking my time, making sure that she's good. Yeah. I avoided tunnels for a really long time. Yes. And um, I'm not completely there with weaves and I can do that. So mm -hmm. why not? Totally. So anyways, it's, it's challenging. Um, when, when you are dealing with dogs that, um, actually I'm going to go in a different direction first. Okay. So if you have, um, if you have an agility dog, let's maybe talk about what things that we notice that sort of are like a bit of a, a, hint that there could be something off because oh. there's certain things that what I have found with, with our experience is typically, and I, I think I learned my lesson the hard way with slam, unfortunately, but like now I think if there's just like a couple little glimmers of things, like I'm on it, it's worth right exploring away mm -hmm. because it's just, there's no point in letting it get into something more. So what are some of the things that you look for? Bar knocking. Yep. More bar knocking than normal. Uh, mm -hmm. Speed. Yep. Um, they just sort of feel different, don't they? Yeah. It's like they don't feel as strong or as powerful. Yes, or accelerating. Or they don't dig in as well, or they don't pull out of turns as easily. Mm -hmm. You know, when you start to really have a feel for your dog, when they feel a little bit off, mm -hmm. you know it. Their style of jumping too, it might not be um, bar knocking, but you might see them lack a little bit of confidence yep. while jumping. Yeah. That's something that I noticed with our students' dogs, actually, mm -hmm. because... It's... But that could also be weight-related, too. Oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. We can get into that, the weight, yeah. the weight topic. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, the other thing that I'll notice, too, is, like, um, like if they're lying down and they get up, because often... Like if, how they get up? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, because if they're a little bit sore or stiff, that's typically a spot where you'll see it, because some dogs, after you train them, you might not see something right away because they have adrenaline, uh -huh. and it's not until they've cooled down and they've been in a, you know, back in the crate to drive home like that's when I used to start to see it with slam is I would train him cool I would him walk down. him out yeah. everything would be good and I would drive 15 minutes actually you know at the time I think I was living I was living seven minutes uh -huh. from the training school seven minutes in a crate and then I would get him out after being you know 
working and it was, was off. Yeah. You could just see it walking from the car to the house. And I was like, okay, like this is, there is something here. Um, yeah. So what they look like at home as well, um, jumping in and out of the car, jumping on and off the couch, those types of things, if things just sort of seem off. Getting um, in and out of their crate, like during the day too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, if you suspect that there could be, um, also too, uh, I was just thinking sometimes when you feel them, there's like areas on their body. Again, what you have to do this when they're cool, like not when you've just run them, but the, um, they hold heat in areas mm-hmm. that are so- sore. There's lots of times where a fire, even now, like Slam's fine now and he's had, um, treatment. Um, but if I've taken him for a long hike, for example, and then later if I run my hands down his how, down his knees, I can feel like just the tiniest little bit of heat mm-hmm. in some of the areas where he has some arthritis now. Um, so those are things that, that you can look for. But you also want to make sure that, you know, your dog's in good fitness. Um, their toenails are short. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that affects the um, their ability to kind of dig in and yep. makes them look a little bit different. Yep. Um, and if all of those things check out and you're still seeing something, that's when I would explore something further with Cairo or massage or mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I am um, the toenail things is... <laughs> That's a thing for me. Mm. I uh, Most of my dogs are great with toenails. Beeline, my youngest border collie is horrible getting her nails cut. <laughs> oh, my God. It's like a, it's a dramatic, dramatic. <laughs> experience. Um, so it's something that I should be doing on a more regular basis. But, you know, sometimes I don't do it as often as I could because it's just as stressful for me as, <laughs> as it is for her. Uh, yeah, it's a bit of a, a, a workup. Yeah, it's a process. <laughs> um, but uh, she has had um, she has had injuries related to her toenails being a little bit too long. So mm-hmm. that's something that I'm, I try to be as diligent as I can now. Um, she's ripped a toenail out before. Yeah, and, I've had that with other dog before. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's tender. Sometimes it's just that she um, balances a bit different. Mm-hmm. It's like if you have an injury, think of like as a human, if you're sore on one thing, sometimes that's not the thing that hurts you. It's like then you put your back out or then you put your neck out or something because you're compensating for like this other thing that's sore. Dogs do exactly the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about the weight thing. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> This this is this is a challenging one for us because we um, we really feel that if you're going to be doing agility with your dog, you should really be focusing on your dog being as Fitness. fit as possible. Mm-hmm. And it's not um, just doing agility once a week. It's mm-hmm. doing some cross training, mm-hmm. hiking, swimming, yeah. um, a variety of different things yeah. and training. Yeah. We can tell you, we see a lot of, we see a lot of people and a lot of dogs and agility dogs of all different levels. We, we work with really high level agility people and dogs who typically their dogs are usually very fit. And we also work with, you know, beginner people yep. that are just learning about this part. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and I think sometimes what happens is people are so focused. Well, I have, um, this and so-and-so and they need to be jumping 20 inches or I've paid for my hour class and I need to get everything out of it. But it's, it is That's not, not the right best yeah. thing for the dog sometimes. And uh-huh. sometimes it affects their motivation. Sometimes it affects their speed or their physicality, like how they're actually maneuvering their body through the equipment. So weight is so, 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 so important. Whether you're doing agility for serious reasons or whether you're just doing it for fun, it doesn't matter. The, the, the weight, dog needs to be fit. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It does because you're really and putting your dog at sometimes risk. Sometimes that conversation can be a bit tough to have with, with people. Yes, it can. Um, but I feel like 
at this point, I don't, I don't care anymore. No, I don't care anymore either. <laughs> I have lost my, uh, yeah, I, I obviously we're gentle about yes. it, but at the end of the day, when you start to know a lot, a lot about the sport and you see dogs and you see their movement and you think like, I care way too much now about dogs well-being yes. that, uh, I, I can't look at something and not say something yep, because absolutely. it's not about the person. Yeah. It's about the care dog. about their dog so and, much. And sometimes the, the people just don't know, so it's just educating them. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Most people are pretty good about oh, it. Oh, absolutely. 100%. And most of it comes, the, most of the weight comes down with the fact that they're feeding their dogs way too much. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, or like husband or spouse or Lots whatever at home giving the drugs treats or leftovers mm-hmm. or things like that. But then also maybe not exercising as well. Yeah. They mm-hmm. go for like walks. Leash like, walks. Leash walks. Yes. Not enough for an agility dog. No. 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 You, yeah, you need to be really careful or there's the people that like don't do anything and then they like do like 15 chuckets and like that's really bad for the dogs too because it's so hard on their bodies. So hard. Or frisbee or. Yeah. Yeah. We used to do more chuck it and frisbee with Uh our dogs back in the day, but we've stopped that. Oh, I don't do that at all anymore. No, I, I don't really either. Um, I can't remember the last time I I can't throw a disc. So that's part of the reason why I don't. And it's just a disaster. (laughs) Um, yeah, but yeah, you know, happening. jumping up too high or landing too low or with a chuck it, you know, the ball goes really far. They might like grab Slide the ball into it and turn. It's mm. just not good for them. Um, but yeah, so the weight thing is really, really important. Um, you know, and knowing how to tell whether your dog is fit or not, put your hands on the dog. You know, we do rib checks on a regular basis. We also, <laughs> we pass our dogs to off. I'm like, James, do you think she's too fat or too skinny? And it can change very quickly. Oh my and God. And it's kind of dog dependent too. Yes. My my border staffy, she can gain weight very quickly. Like looking at yes, her. Yes, absolutely. So yep. And then my border collie can shift very quickly. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. I find the younger um, dogs with higher metabolism, uh, sometimes the weight is actually that they're too thin. Like, mm-hmm. I think Beeline's too thin right yes, now. Yes, she is. Yeah, I think um, so. And uh, my poodle, my toy poodle. She gets thin very quickly, oh, too. so thin because she just doesn't stop moving. So <laughs> yes. she eats, I have to feed her so much. Mm-hmm. And, like, good quality food because she just goes through it. Like, yeah. she's got, I wish I had her metabolism. <laughs> oh, my God, that would be amazing. Um, but, yeah, so the food thing is really important. But check your dogs. You know, run your hands down. On the side of their body, you should be able to easily feel ribs, um, and you should also feel a tuck mm-hmm. as well. Um, you know, sometimes we'll say to somebody like their weight is okay, but they're not fit, fit. because they feel like loose, like jiggly, yeah, <laughs> like us, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they feel jiggly. So you want them to be like they should be tight and muscled and toned um, and even feeling. Yeah, yeah. So you, you should check it on a regular basis, and if you do need to adjust their food or adjust their exercise or things like that. Do it gradually. Mm-hmm. Just go really, really slow. Like it can take weeks for dogs to drop weight or to gain fitness. Like sometimes people are like, did they, they jump want into so it bad. too quickly? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then that's, Do too that's much. bad too. And then that's where an injury can come up. So totally. Yeah. yeah. Weight, weight and fitness is huge. And there's all kinds of resources that you can, um, that you can go to online to learn more about like ex- how to exercise your dog, um, appropriately. There's all kinds of great information out there. Um, but something to consider for sure, because, um, um, we've actually had dogs that have really improved like their speed and the way that they move 
um, by dropping weight. Yes. Um, I, I can think of a couple dogs right now, uh, like how different, like they, they look, look different, totally yeah. different, but I also see it the other way. I've like seen videos, <laughs> my, my online students probably hate me, but, um, but my, you know, if I see videos of dogs running and I kind of have a mental picture of what they look like and they do look different, I'll often say to them, are they a little heavier right now? Mm -hmm. And nine times out of 10, they're like, how the heck did you know that? Mm -hmm. Like, I can see it in their movement. I yeah. can see it with their bending, how they're running. They look heavier. Like, I didn't, I don't say those exact words uh -huh. to that person. That's maybe a bit extreme, but that's what I see. Yes. I can see a difference in how the dog moves. Um, so yeah, it's really, really important. Fitness is, is a huge, huge way to prevent injury for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, let's talk about some of the things that we do with the dogs that, um, like when we're training or whether we're, when we're trialing, that we do that we focus on to help make sure that they can function the entire weekend, that they're going to recover well. What are some of our pre, like pre-trial things or training things that we do? Obviously, the warm, warm up, up, but like what what does that mean? Putting them on the leash and uh, walking around. Well, I walk around the arena a bunch of times. Yeah. <laughs> a bunch of times. Yeah. Um, and sometimes I'll also jog them around the, the arena to yeah. get them in a little bit more of a trot. Mm -hmm. And then I will warm up on one jump, but usually a little bit lower and do some figure eights and things like that. And then I'll put the jump up a little bit higher. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm glad that you said that. I was sort of... I was setting you up because I kind of knew what you were going to say, uh -huh. but I think what warming up is not going to your full height jump and jumping them. Oh, they yeah. should be warm before you do that. So walking them for a while is really, really helpful. Jogging them can be really helpful. I know some competitions, depending on what it's like, I've even brought my bike with me and I've biked the dog a little bit, like just slow, just yeah. so that they, I can kind of walk and then they get into a trot so that they're like, they're really their muscles are warm before mm -hmm. I'm jumping them. The other thing that I really like to do is like, I'll leave the dog in a weight and then I'll lead out like 20, 30, 40, 50 feet, like super far. And then I'll release them and let them like sprint after me and then uh, tug just so that they're like warming Warm up. Yeah. Um, I'll usually do that after I've walked them, of course. Um, I usually use a leash when I'm warming up though, just to kind of control their speed. Yeah. Um, my border staffy initially, she would kind of walk like a slug and sniff and not really warm herself not up very <laughs> well and then my border collie would like spin around and be a little bit frantic yeah. so I just like to control it a little bit more yeah that's a really great suggestion um yeah and then the types of things that you do on the jumper are really really important um you know if we're at competitions where we have access to um like a body worker that's something that we will utilize Absolutely. throughout the weekend yep. before during or after an event um just to you know and then ongoing the too while we're training as well Absolutely. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. We get our dogs worked on. My dogs get massaged. Um, every four weeks. Every four weeks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's what you do too, eh? Yeah. Um, sometimes I'll do a little bit more. If I see something comes up with the dog, then I'll get a massage right away. Um, but I also, like my older dogs get massaged every four weeks as Mine well. Too. And yeah. they love it. They do. Mm -hmm. they, their old bones deserve it. A hundred percent. Muscles. Yeah. Old yeah. muscles. Old muscles. This is true. <laughs> yeah. I feel like yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, and then we also utilize uh, Cairo as well with our dogs. Um, I don't use Cairo as much as I use um, massage, but I definitely do need to get it done on a regular basis. Yep. Um, and I actually, I sort of 
was very bl bluntly reminded about how important Cairo is because I hadn't got Cairo done on B for quite some time because we were in lockdown, haven't been competing. I haven't really been training her very heavily either. And um, a few weeks ago, I was training her. And I remember I said to you, she's knocking more bars. Like she just Something's seems off. Something's off. off. Yeah. And um, she wasn't lame, but like she was like unbalanced. Something was different. Yeah. yeah. Anyways. I ended up getting uh, her seen by my Cairo, and uh, she was so out. Her back, like, needed a major adjustment. Her shoulder needed a major adjustment, and uh, now she's good as new. Good. Um, but, yeah, so that's important to do on a regular basis. You need to search for good people because there's lots of people out there, and search for good people because not everybody is mm -hmm. a great Cairo or a great massage person for dogs. They have to really know what they're doing. So warm-up's good, but cool-down is just as important. Oh, yeah. Um, and I think what happens after you train your dog is really important. So, yeah, we can talk uh, about cool-down sp um, specifically. Um, but there's other things that we'll do as well, like to help maintain the dog throughout the day. So we utilize a product called back-on-track coats mm. um, or beds. So we use those a lot, like, um, before or after the dog's working. It's just a great way. They're, they have, like, um, is it ceramic inside them? Something like that. No, I don't... Some type of material that we probably should know what it is, but More anyways, <laughs> <laughs> we know they work. Uh -huh. I was like skeptical about them, but they were like sponsored through a world team. Like it keeps the dog warm ago. though too. Yeah. The muscles warm. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. It just sort of it gets the blood flowing between their, you know, you know, in their muscles. And I didn't really, I was kind of like, oh, whatever, this is, this doesn't really work. But then um, years ago when I was taking 11 year old dogs to um, world, Competition, I yeah. absolutely noticed the difference when I didn't notice it much with the young dogs, but when I was using it with the older, older dogs, dogs, I hundred percent see mm -hmm. it. Yeah. So that's a really good product. I also have a shout uh, out to back on track. Maybe they'll sponsor <laughs> us one day. <laughs> I also have a back on track mat, like in yeah. my, in my crate as yeah. well. That's uh -huh. awesome. Yep. Yeah, so that's really good. Um, also, something that Jamie and I are really crazy about is the size of crate that the dog oh, goes in. So important. <laughs> so important. <laughs> you know, if a dog's been working and you've cooled them out, like they should be going into a la larger than they need crate. Uh -huh. X pen, something. They need that's... to be able to get up and move around yes. and adjust. Even though my female border collie will just kind of go back into the corner, I want her to have the ability yes. to get up, turn around, move around. Yeah, sometimes um, I see people throw their dogs into like the the tiniest crate in the car or like mm -hmm. put them in with like another dog in like a small space and like that's just not good for their bodies like give them room yeah. always like i always buy crates for like competitions one or two size bigger than what they're supposed Those to have tent ones are great oh they're so good uh -huh. it's like four by four on the bottom yeah. like it's Perfect. like a kingdom for uh -huh. line. <laughs> she's so little in it yeah so big size crates are really important but cool down I do, do you think, I even think cool down almost in a way is even more important than warm up. Not that you shouldn't warm your dog up, but cool down is so I don't important. Know. I think that they're equally important. Yeah, you might be right. I just find the cool down is like one that you shouldn't rush. Like, because I find sometimes like just walking them out a little bit for some dogs isn't, isn't enough. Like yeah. you kind of need to cool them out until they're cool. Uh -huh. I know. <laughs> I know, I know that sounds weird, but like, um, they're not panting. Yeah. Uh -huh. Like they actually need to seem like they're like, things they have adjusted, come back down to uh -huh. normal. And some dogs require more than others. Yeah. And I use a, le they run. a leash for this one as well, just yeah. to control the speed and not allow the dog to, you know, run around frantically. Yeah. And it can be a challenge. Like I know, um, if you have multiple dogs, like, and you're at a competition, for example, sometimes it can be difficult to cool your dogs out if you are running multiple dogs or if there's lots going on. So that's when you can lean into friends to... A hundred percent. We often will walk each other's dogs out if we 
can't do it ourselves for whatever reason or whatever because we know how important mm-hmm. that is. It's not something. But that's also when you're training, though, too. Uh, sometimes in class, like, you'll do a sequence and then the dog will rest for a little bit and people will put the dog back in a crate. But you can't do that right away. You still have to allow the dog to cool de- cool down. Yeah. Um, I like to use a bed when I'm training just to allow the dog to kind of readjust and I can mm-hmm. wash them. Opposed to putting in the crate. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. Um, one thing that um, Diamond taught us years ago that has always stuck with me is that um, when you warm a dog up, typically they'll stay warm for about 20 or 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I found that to be really helpful to know because at competitions or whatnot, or even at seminars even, um, if I, I didn't always like to warm my dog up right before I went in the ring for many reasons. I had like Funky who I was trying to make her as high as possible. And if I warmed her up and she got tired, then she wouldn't run as fast mm-hmm. in the in the trial. Um, or with some of the Border Collies, if I warm them up, they start to run hot. Like they start to get really high-minded and then they're like excited, but then also a bit fatigued at the same time. And Mentally. then they yeah. didn't run as well. Uh-huh. So um, I find that sometimes if you can... Uh, stage the warm up and then just give the dog a second to kind of chill before going into whatever you're doing. Again, every dog is different, but for me, that seems to be the best bet because I know my dog's warm. I'm not going to go put them away for like an hour, but you know, you can get a good warm up and not being not being rushed. Yeah, and then know that you do have you know a couple a little bit of time and and you're not going to have to rewarm them up again. Um, but yeah, that that's a really really helpful thing. Um, the cool down is important, as we said. It could be simply simple as just walking walking your dog out. Like James said, on a leash is really important because then you can control them. Like some people will um, like go for a walk in the field, but then for some dogs, they'll just start racing and running again. Mm-hmm. So they're not really getting cooled down. No, walking them on leash for, for some dogs is really, really important. Um, and then stretching as well. Mm-hmm. Learning about how to stretch your dog um, can be a really important thing to do. Something just like in humans, you shouldn't be stretching them unless they are actually like they're muscles are warm so you don't cause any injury but there's some great stretching techniques out there that you can learn about one of the ones that we often teach because it doesn't require which we got from a body worker yes of course Uh it doesn't require as much um, knowledge is uh, doing cookie stretches so that rather than actually physically maneuvering your dog's legs because you know stretching yourself you know how far your leg can go before you're like whoa like that's That's too too much. much Well, dogs can't do that. So when you use a treat to, you know, lure their head, the dog's only going to turn their head as as far as they're comfortable or, you know, moving their neck or whatever it might be. So that's a good thing that we start Mm -hmm. off with, with some of our um, lower level agility people, because they just don't have a lot of experience yet. That's a good way to kind of get started. Um, And then obviously, as you get more experience and learn a little bit more about, you know, how the dog feels and whatnot, you can do things that are a little bit more um, intense, but that's really important thing to do as well. 100%. Um, what else? Hmm. We covered a lot. We did cover a lot. Um, the other thing that I was thinking about as I was sort of thinking about, like when I was thinking about this particular podcast is I wish, and maybe this can happen one day. Um, I wish that there was somebody or some organization or something that could like start the trend of like looking at the sport of agility and thinking about like long-term results for the dogs. Because if you look, if you look at the sport, mm-hmm. it's getting uh, like the, technical. Ch- the challenges that you see out there are incredible. They're super fun. And I love them. I love where the training has gone in agility. Like there's just, it's just continually moving and progressing and I'm here for it. it mm-hmm. It's super fun. However, 
it's very intense for the dogs. And um, it would be nice if, like, rather than having to, dogs are just going to get faster. So, like, I don't know, I was thinking about, like, the dog walk in the A-frame, for example. Like, why not make the dog walk wider? Wider. Uh Like, who gives a crap? Like, it's not going to make it any easier in terms of, like, the challenge, but Mm -hmm. it just makes it safer. Safer. Yeah. Um, Or like the A-frame. Why do we care if the A-frame is 5'6"? Like, why do we care? I don't know. Like, put it lower. Why can't it be five or five feet? Yeah. Yeah. Or like whatever, whatever the height would be, like maybe there's some needs to be some research done because it doesn't like going over a high piece of equipment. It just isn't a big deal. Uh You're looking for, can they hit the contact? Like what challenges come after the contact? That's kind of where things are at. But you know, when they're they're doing steep A-frames over and over and over again, like the A-frame, in my opinion, is one of the most damaging things to a dog. Whether you have a stop contact or a running contact, I feel the hardest part of the frame on the dog's body is the up ramp, mm-hmm. not the down ramp. Lots of people are very passionate. Well, I'm going to never teach my dog running contacts because you have to do 100 million repetitions and that's hard on the dog. Or I'm not going to teach my dog a stop contact because they have to jam their shoulders into the ground. There's truth to all of these things, but what about how hard the dogs... Have you ever watched in slow motion a fast or heavy boned dog hit the up ramp of a frame. Yeah. It literally makes me want to like close my eyes and cringe. Like it's awful. Um, so lowering, you can hear it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lowering the A-frame might be a good option. Like I wish there was things that could be done to the sport to help the dogs just be safer. Um, and then there's decisions that we'll make too. Like in terms of safety, like there have been times where I have been at like an outdoor trial and if I don't think that the course is safe, I'll either very politely um, approach the judge and say like, hey, do you think you could just re- relook at this line? Um, you know, my dog's likely to land here. Like, what do you think? And most often than not, judges are amazing. And they're like, yep, no problem. Sometimes they say, nope, this is the challenge I'm looking for. And other times people are like, no problem, like... I'll adjust they're it. They're agreeable. They're, yeah. they're amazing. How you say it is obviously very, very important. Um, but then also too, like when it rains. Outside. How, how uh-huh. many times have we not tri- not trialed or not done a course because of the weather? A hundred percent. And yeah. I think some people are like, holy prima donna, like such a princess. I mean, Jam and I are spoiled rotten. We have a indoor, very large facility with like perfect turf, perfect equipment, no wind, like <laughs> no dust, no dirt. Like it, like we train on a regular basis in a perfect environment. And I recognize that. But I also think that that is what my dog expects. And I ask her, and you ask your dogs, I ask her to run as fast as she possibly can and to put all her trust in me. Mm-hmm. So when she sees a dog walk or when she sees something, she has been trained to go as fast fast. She's taught to do it safely, of course, Mm -hmm. but she believes me when I say walk it, she's like, I'm going. So if that's got rain on it, or if it's, you know, there's something that's up there. No, it's tough because, um, the dogs don't always adjust on different footing. Um, no, like rubber mats or Mm -hmm. grass or turf. Um, so it's really important for us to be able to say that's not good for my dog. I, I couldn't run my, my border staffy on rubber mats. It just wasn't in her best interest. She already 
normally struggled to turn. It just made her turning much more of a challenge. And every time I saw it, I was like, this isn't, this isn't yeah. good for this dog. So I just didn't do it anymore. And I think the other thing you learn too, like, especially if you get your dog, um, body work done, there's lots of times where like, if they have a, a tougher weekend, I remember we remember that fall, we did a fall cup, um, a few years ago. Um, and the dirt, it was on dirt, but the dirt that particular, we had been at this facility many times, but this particular weekend, they didn't prepare the dirt the same way. Do you uh-huh. remember? Yeah. And it was like, it was thick. It was like you were wearing high heels. Yes. And the dogs were just slipping everywhere. And um, like the body work after of the dogs, it was like the dog's bodies were a disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was really tough. Well, it was tough for us to run in it. So yeah. <laughs> the dogs were slipping all over the place. Uh-huh. But again, you have to be prepared to choose the well-being of your dog over over the competition, you know. 100%. And, yeah. The, the, la- the nationals, actually, that was, that was a horrible thing um nationals a few years ago um it was b's first natu- nationals and it was raining and i was really struggling with putting her in because she had done really well and i was in the running to um place place uh-huh. and um it was raining and i had to decide whether i was going to put her in or not into the run and i it stopped raining uh-huh. like I, half an hour or something before i ran i thought okay I'm yep. going to do it. I think and it's they, okay. And they went around and they dried the obstacles. Yep. And yeah, they, they did a really great good. job. They did very well. They were very conscious of the dogs. Um, but when I ran the run, I have it on video and it is, it's laughable now, but I was over managing. Oh my God. I was the worst <laughs> handler. I was so afraid of her getting hurt that I was managing and like calling her and like her, like you can see her face. She was like, what the hell Are you is sure? wrong with you? Um, anyways, I had a horrible run. I made all all kinds of mistakes. I got off courses. I got refusals. She ran around equipment. All 100% my fault because I was so scared mm-hmm. of her getting hurt. And I thought like, <laughs> I need to sit out from the run, <laughs> not the dog, because I was just, it was stressing me out. It was. But uh, anyways, maybe I'm taking it a little bit too seriously, but I, I think it is important to make decisions for your dog's well-being, even if it's the most you know challenging or most important competition or whatever. When you ha- need to get that last cue to get your title or whatever the situation is, there's always another moment and it's not worth the dogs getting hurt no. because, you know, if it's a bad thing, like look at Slam, literally he, he never played agility again. No. Like it's heartbreaking. And then also if you have to deal with an injury in your dog's career, hopefully you don't, yeah. but knowing the right st- steps to bring them back, take mm. your time, don't rush it. Um, do everything that, you know, your vet or Cairo or massage are telling you to do. Um, you know, obviously if you don't see them being lame, it doesn't mean that they're, they're ready to come back. No. Yeah. And bring them back slowly. Um, jump them low, jump them avoid, low, avoid certain obstacles, tunnels. Tunnels are the worst. I think people, I don't think people know that. No. Tunnels, Even straight tunnels. Yeah. Uh-huh. They're, they're such an easy place for dogs to get hurt because if they slip and fall, the t- like they can just go any direction. Mm-hmm. Um, well-bagged tunnels like if you're that's another thing when you're at trials Mm -hmm. if the tunnel is not well-bagged and you have a dog that is susceptible to falling in tunnels ask politely if they have more bags Mm -hmm. or don't run them yeah Uh, if the tunnels are not properly bagged i will not run my dog Mm -hmm. and again we have very very fast dogs they're not crazy dogs they're not out of control dogs but they're very fast and it's my responsibility to make sure i'm not putting her in a situation like i said before 
they believe us when we say do this and mm-hmm. do it as fast as you can. They will. They will. And so well, that's what they've been trained to do. That's what they've been trained to do. And some dogs are just happy go lucky and you know, they can handle those types of things and it's not that big of a deal. And that's totally fine. But when you have some of these dogs, the faster dog you have, the more susceptible you your your dog is at more risk to get hurt. Mm-hmm. Um so they don't know, adjust. No, so it's your responsibility. Um what was I talking about? Oh, coming back slowly um with the tunnels. The other thing too is um like j- going straight rather than turns. Like uh-huh. Don't add a lot of turns into the into the mix to begin with because that's harder on the dogs yeah. as well. Low jumps. Yeah. I've started with doing like a low um dog walk. We have the ability to open up our channels and I, you know, channel weaves. Yeah, and I uh, weaved her with an open channel for a while and yeah. still was able to do some handling stuff. So, yep. yeah. Yeah. The other thing that we do with our dogs too is um, if we have no competitions coming up anytime soon, we will usually jump our dogs to four, sometimes six inches lower than what they normally do. Now, not with every dog. There's some dogs, you know, that... Um, should have the jumps higher just for if they're having bar knocking problems or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but my dog typically doesn't knock bars. It's very unusual for her. She's a 16 inch jumping dog and I train her like right now. I only, tr- I run her at like 10 or 12 inches because mm-hmm. I don't, I don't need to make things harder on her if I don't have to. Yep. Um, and then if you're going to put pressure. yourself in a trial, you can slowly work your way back up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Every dog is different, but mm-hmm. for, for some people, you might find that really helpful. I also find too, like if you're doing something more challenging with a dog um, to help them to not get hurt, jump the do- jump the jumps lower. Like with our um, newer students that are learning handling mm-hmm. for the first time, we always um, tell them, to, we always actually make them yeah. <laughs> jump lower because if they screw up something or if they're not really sure, the last thing we want is the dog who is also inexperienced trying to, you know, do a figure eight or a threadle or something that's more uh, physically demanding. And then the person maybe doesn't show them properly. And then the dog's like flinging themselves at, at yeah. the jump. Yeah. So we always say start low, get the hang of the move first, both the dog and the person, uh-huh. and then slowly build the jump up height from there because, you know, it's it's a lot more complicated off on the dog's part than I think people really think. Yeah. Can you imagine going to like a class for an hour and like having to jump over equipment for like <laughs> an entire hour and then sit on the couch for the rest of the week? Like if you think about the people who do that uh-huh. and how challenging that would be. Yeah. Like, that would be so hard. (laughs) And I think dogs are, like, probably more athletic than people are. But, like, I think that's really intense. That's why it's important that, like, you're doing stuff on a regular basis with the dogs. We can't just whip them out and expect them to do all of these miraculous things that we ask them to do. A hundred percent. Anyways, um, this isn't maybe the most uplifting podcast you've ever heard but i do it's a realistic thing yes i do hope that there's something that you can take from it because if we can help somebody recognize an injury early or have a better idea how to get back from an injury or how to go to a trial and make a good decision for your dog that's for the greater good of their body and their career then we have done we have done our job. A hundred percent. So keep those dogs safe out there. It's really, really important. Keep them fit. You know, if you're not really sure about what to do, reach out to somebody that does know, you know, ask your coach or 
contact us. We This is like one of our favorite things to do is to help people, um, you know, get their dogs fit. And, you know, we've seen so many dogs over the years that we've really, we've learned a lot about, you know, what to look for and what to do. And anyways, but it should be, if you're into agility and you're loving this sport and you're hoping to do it for a long time, this is an priority. aspect mm-hmm. that needs to be a priority and that you need to focus on so that you can play and play and play and play forever. And Until the they're 11. Right. Until they're 11. Or maybe <laughs> o- older. Yeah, maybe older. But anyways, we hope you enjoyed today's podcast and uh, we will catch you in the next one. Remember, if you want to check out our other podcasts or if you want to watch this, um, you can uh, subscribe to our uh, podcast channel, McCann Dogs Agility After Class Podcast. <laughs> which is a great name. Um, or you can uh, watch our conversation on YouTube on McCann Dogs Agility YouTube page. But we will, uh, we will catch you in the next one, guys. Ciao. Thanks for listening to our McCann Dogs Agility podcast. If you'd like to learn more about us, check out the links in the show notes below. On that note, happy training.